Amen. Well, good morning, Woodside. How are you? Well, welcome. If you're online, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Uh, like Cassie said, my name is Matt uh, Zellers, and I'm the student pastor here. And I have uh, the privilege of speaking this morning. And um, I just want to say thank you to uh, everyone here. The past two weekends, we have had our retreats, um, our high school and middle school retreat. And can I just tell you, man, what an amazing time it is uh, to room with a, a room full of high school boys, uh, middle school boys. Uh, I can tell you, uh, there's nothing worse than smelling uh, middle school boys' feet. It is truly one of the worst smells. Um, Especially when they go tubing, they're, you know, they're running around in winter boots all day. Some kids don't wear socks, and it's just, it's not good. Um, and then you, you graduate to the high school boys, uh, and they, you know, they start to like the girls, which means there's a lot of, like, body spray, and too much body spray. Um, I remember, like, Axe was a big thing when I was younger. I don't know if it's still Axe. I really don't know what it is, but whatever it was, it's like a can, and it's just... It's all around for a good 30 seconds, and it's, it's great. Um, taking applications for leaders, so <laughs> if anyone wants to serve in student ministry, please. Um, we, need, we need help. No, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just kidding, but for, for real, uh, I love retreats. They have been great. Uh, thank you for parents who have sent your, your students there, uh, everyone who else who's just prayed for those amazing weekends that have been there. Uh, I mean, there's people that have been so generous to help scholarship students to these retreats. They're, they're truly amazing. And what makes them amazing are oftentimes the stories in which we hear from students. Uh, one student in particular, uh, you know, accepting Christ for the first time, right, and taking that step and saying, hey, I'm going to follow Jesus with everything, right? We have those stories like that, and we have many other stories in which you know, we have students who are believers, yet they're struggling. They're wrestling with their sin. And we have these moments um, on, you know, Saturday night and where, where they just come before the Lord. Right? And, and they, they lay their burdens. They lay things that have been holding them back. Maybe it's an addiction of some sort. And they just they lay them at the feet of Jesus. And it's this beautiful reality of, of confession that's a huge part of our camps. And so confession is what we're kind of wrestling with and continuing here on Sunday morning as well. So the past few weeks we've been in this series and we're learning through scripture the importance of confession. The importance of confession. The reality behind this and why we have this is because we are all indeed broken. We are broken people right, in need of a savior. We, have, we, we give in too much to our sinful desires. The reality is, if sin is left unchecked in our hearts, if we leave sin unchecked, it, it, it leads to broken relationships. It leads to, to hurt. Uh, as a parent, right, if there is sin unchecked in my life, right, it could be times that lead to me snapping at my kids, right, for no reason. Just because there's, there's things in my heart that has bring bitterness or, or frustration. The same can go to our spouses, right? If we're wrestling with, with some type of unchecked sin that we haven't given back to the Lord or wrestled with, right, it can lead to the way that we lose our tempers on our spouses. I mean, it can go all the way, right? It can go to coworkers, friend groups. And when we, when we don't deal with this, right, we're, we're, we're letting sin control us. And Jim kind of used the phrase last week that we missed the mark. 
And this is the reality that we all will miss the mark in our relationships because of the fact that we are a broken people. And it all has to do with our sinful nature. You see, when we make mistakes, I feel like sometimes it's easier to apologize to certain people, right? For me, it's really easy to go and to my kids and ask for forgiveness just because of their ages, right? They're five, three, almost three, um, and then we have a, a newborn. But, like, for me, it's just it's easier to, to go to them and say, hey, I- I'm sorry. I'm sorry for how I responded. I shouldn't have done that, right? But, on the, you know, when it comes to peers, it's not always the same. It could be a little bit harder to go to your peers and ask for forgiveness. Or maybe a boss or, you know, whatever that may look like, it can lead to a lot harder time of actually going and and owning up to the sin that is in your heart. And we leave it unchecked, right? It It can lead to a lot of things. And so the reality is what we're going to wrestle with today is what do we do when it's not a person that, is like a coworker or a friend, but what do we do when that person is God? And the person that we need to apologize today is, is not a coworker, not a friend, not, a, not a, a sibling or a child, but it is God, the God of the universe. Romans 3 says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And in this case, and how do we take the responsibility of our sins and actually go back to God? How do we we take that responsibility? Because ultimately, God has given us the gift of of eternal life and a relationship with him, but we still have to go to him and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I have made a mistake. I have recognized that I am a sinner, and I need to confess that. And so through this series, we've been looking at the moments of the life of David. And this is where we find ourselves today. And specifically, when David becomes king, and he is ruler of Israel, this is where David gets comfortable. He begins to flirt with sin, he indulges in sin, and then he begins to cover his tracks. And so we've been looking at the story, um, not really in 2 Samuel, but it's, it's this story of David and Bathsheba. And David was committing adultery, eventually it led to him committing murder, covering all this up, and through this, stre- I'm sure, stressful, deceitful uh, season of David's life, thinking about what he did, he was in his mind at some point able to successfully cover his tracks. Until, if you know the story, what happens, the prophet of um, God, which is uh, Nathan at the time, comes to David, and what does he do? He shares this parable of this wealthy man uh, and a poor man, the wealthy man steals a sheep from the poor man, and David being king, often hearing these types of stories, says, well, there needs to be judgment on the poor man. Like, that's that's not fair. That's that's not just. Like, you can't be the wealthy man and take from the poor. And then Nathan flips the script and says, David, that's you. Do you realize what you have done? And in a moment, Nathan reveals to David that he is this man that you've broken the laws of God, the sin has been called out, and then David begins to understand, okay, now I'm starting to feel this weight. Now I'm starting once again to feel this guilt and understanding what he's done and who he needs to go to to confess. And that is my hope for us today as we wrestle through this passage. Man, if you feel yourself lost down a path of, of, maybe there's some sin in your life that you've been wrestling with, And my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will provide 
you this morning kind of just some self-evaluation that you can be reminded that you can turn back to Christ. And the beautiful picture of that is that you are never too far gone from the forgiveness of Jesus. And so this is how we get to Psalms 51. David's had all this, and now we have this response. This response back to God, and it's this response of reconciliation. And this is where we find ourselves. And so one of the first things we're going to see is that when it comes to healing our broken relationship with God, this means that we as, as people need to confess to him that there was some type of wrongdoing. There was some type of an offense that we have had. See, when it comes to maybe not a relationship with God, but with two people here on earth, right, two people cannot come to an agreement unless both parties understand that there's been some wrong that has occurred, right, and then they want to mend it and, and move forward. But likewise, when we have broken the laws of God, we must admit, admit that God is perfect, meaning we must humble ourselves before him and admit that he is just and we are indeed broken, because the weight of this is that we have fallen short. And so one of the questions I want us to begin to ask ourselves this morning is, how do you own up to your sin? How do I own up to my sin? And there are three areas that we're going to look to this morning as we see David's response to this, to this. And, you know, David's response, the fact that through this, right, God did indeed bring judgment on David for his sins. And there was a punishment, yet... He still went to God admitting that he was right, just. And so David responds like this, starting in Psalms 51, if you have your Bibles, uh, verse 3. It will be on the screen, but it starts in verse 3, and it says this. It says, For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. David acknowledges here that God is just. And he begins to do that right off the gate by first admitting some important things. Right? He says, Lord, I know my transgressions. Lord, I finally understand the weight of what I have done. My sin is ever before me. When we find ourselves within a state of drift or overwhelming sin, I mean, how do we respond? Because David's first response was not one of submission, right? David's first response was one of defiance, right? His first response was, I, I got to cover this up, right? As soon as he, he committed adultery, right, he had to figure out how to cover it up, ultimately leading to the death of Bathsheba's uh, husband, right? He tried to cover his tracks. The reality is that sin always will find you out. And David came to a point in which he was reminded of the depravity in which he had, that his sin got the best of him once again, realizing what he must do. Through the help of Nathan, right, he brought this sin to life, and the brokenness became real. Man, if you're like me, there's been times in which God has used people to call out sin. Right? I tell you, it's not a very comfortable place to be in. Right? It's not a good feeling when we realize that we messed up, that we have brokenness. But sometimes it's necessary, and through the confrontation, David realizes once again, okay, I am the sinner. I am the one who makes mistakes. And what he does is he begins to have a proper understanding that I am David, I'm human. And this is God. 
God of the universe, God who created all things, the God who was sovereign over all. And you can think about the days in between the moments. I'm like, we, lots of times we can read through Scripture and not actually kind of think through, man, how, how David actually maybe processed this through this time. Right? Because in those moments, like I said, maybe weeks, when David has done these things, he would have still carried about his business normally. Although he took Uriah's wife, right, he still had to rule a kingdom. He still had to do all these things. He was king. But in those moments, he let the pride get the best of him, and, and he broke some of the laws of God gave to him, right? That you shall not murder. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. And as king, law of the land, he dealt according to his heart rather than the laws of God. And so Nathan reminding him of this is reminding him of who God is. And so David gets to this point that he knew there was no excuse for his sin. And he's in this text, he comes to the point of, God, I, I, I'm willing to take the punishment. I understand there's consequences for what I have done. But he also remembers this idea that God is just. If we think about the life of David for a moment, before he even got to this, think about all that God has done for him, right? Since the time he was a, a little shepherd, right, being anointed as king, going to the point of fighting Goliath, right? And then there's a time in which he was fleeing for his life, yet God was faithful to protect him. As Saul was chasing him down, and God has been so faithful to him, proving that he was a just God, that he was true to his word, that he was true to his law, and so David is reminded of this. He's going back to this posture that, God, you are king. You are just. I am, I'm a sinner. I'm sure he's reminded of passages like Deuteronomy 32.4. The old law where it says, the rock, his work is perfect. For all of his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness, and without um, iniquity, just and upright is he. See, God is a God who is perfect in all of his ways which means he is a God that is just. He has the right to be a ruler. He has the right to reign. But just like David, we need God to show us our sins because we won't acknowledge our sins otherwise. Like, we won't. We needed God use Nathan in the story to reveal the sins uh, that he was wrestling with, and we need the same thing. Because I think today we find ourselves more so wrestling with pride, and we oftentimes fail to realize the, the weight of our sin. And the reason why I think this is so hard is because it's so easy to get caught up in, in what culture is doing around us, and what culture shows so consistently if we're not careful. And this is one of the things I wrestle with in student ministry so much, is that sin is so normalized in our world today that we allow our hearts to be blind to the laws of God. And if we're not careful, I mean, according to the text, right, marriages crumble. Affairs happen. We normalize sexual sin and pornography. The list can go on. We normalize greed, seeking more and more, climbing that ladder to get more possessions or whatever that is. We do these things. We cut down others for the sake of ourselves and oftentimes we do this because it's so around us, right? It's in our TV shows, the music that we hear, maybe in certain friend groups or workplaces. And it's really easy to live in a day and age where we can show up in this place and worship God 
and live in sin like nothing's happening, coming into this place, worshiping God, and then walking right out the doors all while normalizing sin in our own hearts. And God calls sin as defiance. It's rotten. And this is why this is so true for us today. The word of God is so significant and so important to cling to is because God gave us his word as a guide to point us back to him. Scripture allows us to have this clear understanding of salvation in the plan in which Christ came to redeem the world. But likewise, when we're judged by our actions, the word of God shows us these things, and again, we fall short time and time again. But God reveals that he is a good God, that he is a just God, and he calls us back to him that we have to confess during uh, the football season, anyone a Lions fan? A couple, of, yeah. I, I'm a big Lions fan. I remember, anyone remember the Dallas game? I remember the Dallas game, right, towards the end, uh, a lot of frustration and heartbrokenness, right? With, we had, long story short, right, we were competing for playoff spot. Uh, it comes down to the last play of the game, and uh, there was a player that reported, Right? He reported, which means he was eligible to catch a ball, and the referee didn't see that, and threw a flag, called the game, game over, we lost. And it was frustrating, right? I remember, like, sitting there, like, what just happened? And then what made it worse is, like, aftermath, I'm in a, a, a fantasy football group that everyone starts, you know, sending me uh, Twitter links or whatever X it is now of, like, hey, look, you can hear him report. You can see all this. Like, no, there's proof he did it. He did report, which made it even more frustrating as a Lions fan, right? Because there's always that, that idea that, you know, it's us against the refs. And at the time, it was frustrating because we're like, man, we just want an apology, right? And there was like all the like, you know, the ref said, well, it's, it's heated. You can't, you know, in, the, in those moments, mistakes were made. That, that was the consensus, right? And the NFL did at least punish that ref group by not allowing them to do any playoff games, but, I mean, I just remember sitting there, like, frustrated, saying, man, I need an apology. Like, this, this is horrible. And all these fingers are pointed back and forth, right? Uh, you know, the Lions owned up to it, I mean, to a point where, like, okay, it is what it is. It's the rest of the game, right? It can't just be down to one play. But fingers were pointed. Lions fans felt the frustration, and we just wanted an answer. One of the things that we can learn from, from something like that, and even this life of David, is that we can't make excuses, Right, when it comes to like, the judgment of God specifically this morning, right, we can't make excuses of, man, someone blew it. Right? Or, or, or we blew it. Right? We can't make excuses. We have to admit that God is indeed just God. That he brings justice to this world. And so him being perfect and us having the weight of our sins, like, we have to have this right acknowledgement of who God is. Once we acknowledge that God is just and his judgment is fair, we have this understanding that God is sovereign, that he rules over all things. And so it leads David to this point of, okay, now I have to confess to God. And this is the beautiful thing about David um, and what he knew is because he understood that God was still a God of mercy. He knew that, he, yes, he deserved his punishment. Yes, his sins had consequences, 
But David knew the truth that he could go back to God, and at least in the Old Testament law there, right, he could offer a sacrifice to God and his sins would be forgiven. Likewise, for us today, right, we have Jesus. And in those moments in which we walk away from God, we can go back to Christ and we can confess that we are indeed sinners. And understand that Jesus came not to leave us in our sin, but to offer a way back to him. So in this text, David then moves to the next thing, which is our second point, is he confesses our fallen nature. He confesses his fallen nature, which is the same for us today. We see this in um, Psalms 51, going down to verse 5. It says, Behold, I brought you forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. And what David is speaking here to is he's speaking to the reality that through the sins of Adam and through the sins of Eve, all humanity is brought to a place of brokenness. He's brought to a place of depravity. That means he has inherited guilt, he's inherited sin, that he's been born into this world. Later in Psalms 58, 3, it says, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray from birth, speaking lies. David is declaring here to God that he has been a sinner since birth. And he's incapable of doing what God desires on his own strength. There's nothing he can do on his own power to follow God, to follow his desires. And he's just saying this is because of the sinful nature. But what he's also saying is it requires him to have a full reliance on who God is. And in this, in this moment, David's not justifying his sin. It's like, well, it's because of the sins of this world. But no, he's making this, this as a, a posture of humility of, God, I need you. God, I have to rely on you. The Apostle Paul says this in Ephesians, that we are by nature children of wrath. We don't have to look far in today's society and culture, right, to see that. That there's chaos all around us. One of my favorite uh, theologians, Wayne Grudem, says this. He says, anyone who has raised children can give a testimony to the fact that we're all born with a tendency to sin. Children do not have to be taught how to do wrong. They discover that by themselves. I can think of, I have a five-year-old and a, a almost three-year-old, and, and it's, it's, it's funny. Like, I mean, as, as a, I tell you what, as being a parent for me, I know I'm a young parent, I've learned so much more about Scripture as I've learned to parent. Like, I just, it just, it just, I don't know. I think there's a huge, huge reason for it. And you get these illustrations, but I remember um, Hudson and Bo, right? This happens often in our household. They play great. Things are going good. They're the best of friends. And then something happens, right? All of a sudden, there's only one monster truck left on the ground. And then all the world just breaks loose, right? There's screaming. There's pulling. There's hair everywhere. And there's just biting. And it's not good, right? Because they're, they're broken. They're like, That's my toy. No, it's, it's my toy. And then there's crying. And I remember this one time. You can't make this up. Um, Hudson looks to me. He says, I'm running away. I'm like, you know, as a five-year-old, like, that doesn't have as much weight maybe as a teenager, but I'm like, okay. And, you know, right next door to us is his Papa and Lala, is what he calls them. He's like, I'm going to go live over there. I'm not living here anymore. 
And in that moment, it's like, where, where did you learn that? You're five. Like, like, no one's taught you to say something like that. I mean, no one's taught you to get frustrated and just say, I'm running away. I can't deal with this anymore. Like, no one, no one has taught that from a, a young age, and we need to recognize, right, as silly as that illustration is, like, that's the reality of our sin, right? It, it has just come so naturally to us. And so when David's sin is exposed, he's reminding all of us, all of us, all of us of this reality of our sinful nature. And he confesses this to the Lord, that we cannot do this on our own power. God, we need you. Jesus, we need you to save us. And it's only through the power of God, uh, God, through the sacrifice of the Son, through Jesus working in us, through confession, repentance, that we're able to understand and then be holy and blameless in the sight of God because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And it's essential to acknowledge that in confession. And then the last point, which I think a lot of times we can skip through this as believers, like even in those moments of confession, we're like, God, I'm sorry. Okay, forgive me. A lot of times we can skip over this third point in which we see here uh, where David says, he says, behold, you delight in truth in the inward being and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. And the third thing that we see here is David is saying that we receive wisdom from God. Meaning that there, there's a point in which now I, I'm lost, God, I need you to show me what to do. What is next? One of the frustrating things I, I've learned with teenagers and parents, you probably can relate, is when you correct someone or a teenager and you get the response, I know, I know I shouldn't do this. And, and you're like, okay, then why are you doing it? Right? And you're met with like the, the, the spirit of, of someone not teachable, right? But this is the opposite of what David is doing here. He's saying we need to have a posture that is teachable. And after David acknowledges that God is, is right, he is just, he is broken, God has holiness, and we are broken because of the nature of man, David then pleased to God and said, God, I need your wisdom. Show me the ways in which I am supposed to follow you, God. Right, James 1.5 gives us a similar reminder. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, it says he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. And after going through this repentance, he's asking God, okay, God, what are the next steps? God, what's next for me? God, help me to return to, to you. Make your ways known to me once again that I can follow you and live in those. And we are challenged with this similar task. And have you ever felt so lost, so overwhelmed, maybe so convicted and broken in your sin that it leads you to a point of, God, I, 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 I have nothing. God, I have no idea what's next. God, I need you. God, I need you to just guide me. Because the reality is, in the midst of our sin, there's always the option to return back to sin. There is, right? The same struggles, the same frustrations, the same addictions, there's always the option to go back. I mean, David could have gone back, right? He, he could still be king. The option to commit adultery would still be there. But if he doesn't let God teach him to be a man of integrity and to turn from sin... Then he'll, keep, he'll stay there. 
And so one of the things we have to ask ourselves is how many times do we as believers continue in our sin? How many times do we continue in our sin? And we feel like we get in this, this motion of, I come to church, I, I do ask for confession, but then I go right back into to the sin the next day. And it's like this, this, this uh, it's on repeat, like you can't get past it. And this is why it is so important that we go to God and say, God, I need you to now to guide me. God, I need you to show me your ways. God, I need your spirit in my heart to change me, to give me wisdom. And this is what repentance means. Repentance is, is seeing sin and saying, God, I want to turn away from this. God, I know this is not of you. God, I see you're over here. God, I am turning towards you. I'm walking towards you. God, I need you to guide my steps because I'm not going to be able to get to you. Right? I'm going to keep falling down. I'm going to keep making mistakes. God, I need you to guide my way. And it's a prayer to God saying, God, I no longer want to be lost in my sin. I want you to refocus my heart. I want to be back to you, God. I need you to guide me in your ways. And there's so many tools and different things that we get to utilize to help us along those ways. Right? One of the beautiful things we have here at Woodside is life groups. And can I just tell you, it's so important to be in a group where, with other believers that can also help point you back to God. Right? David had Nathan. He, didn't have, he had someone who helped him. And there's many times where we should bring others in prayer if we're wrestling through an addiction. Maybe looking to Christian counseling for help. But ultimately, Scripture reminds us in 1 John 1, 9 that if we confess our sins, He, Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so there's three things that we can begin to wrestle with this morning when it comes to our relationship with God. And the first is acknowledging that God is sovereign. That he is just in all of his ways. There's going to be moments in which we sin. There may be moments of consequence. But understanding that if God is supreme and he is ruler, then we must have to have humility. We must humble ourselves before him. Confess our fallen nature. We have to admit that we cannot do any right on our own without God. We can try but ultimately, we will continue and we will fail. And the third, we receive his wisdom. It's assuming this posture of, of, of a student. Of taking on the form of a student saying, Lord, I'm submitting to you, which is really hard. Right? We don't live in a, a day and age where we submit to other people very easily. But that's what it is. It's saying, God, you're in control. Not me. Not my plans. Not my desires, not the way that I think life should be. No, God, you are the king. You are the one guiding me. And what tears this relationship apart is pride, right? It's an unwillingness to confess, first and foremost, that there was a wrongdoing or there's a failure on our behalf. And so this is why it's so important for us to confess to God our sins. Confess that he is faithful. That he is just to forgive. And that through the death and resurrection of Christ, there is true forgiveness. And that that debt 
is paid. And so the question I want to ask you this morning, right, is there anything that is in your life that has become crippling to you? Because it's really easy to go about life and hide these things. Right? David tried. Right? The, 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 the person that we often say, the man after God's own heart. Right? He tried to hide. He tried to run. But we're in that same boat. Are there any, is there anything within our hearts this morning that we've been holding back from God? Like, God, we got... You got 95% of my life over here, but there's this 5% that, God, I, I just, I need. It makes me feel safe. I'm comfortable with. I don't want to give that to you. Is there anything in your life that can cause you pain? Maybe, maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a, a hidden sin from a spouse or a loved one. Maybe today that sin in which has become hidden like David, right? God used Nathan to confront him. Well, maybe today the Holy Spirit is trying to connect with you on a personal level and saying, hey, there's this area in your life and you just need to give it to me. You need to give it to Christ. I want to encourage you this morning, if anyone in here is, is struggling or wrestling with that, and we have a staff that would love to, to sit down and pray with you, walk through it with you. We have an amazing prayer team here meet in the prayer room after service. Man, if you feel like you just need to go to a place where you just need to continue to worship and confess to God, and there is just some stuff in my heart that I have failed to give you, I encourage you, let this morning be a morning in which you give that over to him. Because the reality of this today is that there is freedom when it comes to confession. Holding on to your sin is only going to lock you in guilt and frustration and shame. But if we're willing to go to God and expose our issues, this is where healing begins. And this is where we can begin to find joy. And yes, consequences may come because God is a just God. But know that there will be ultimately freedom from the shackles of of shame, of of, of the weight that we feel of our sin that maybe has brought depression. Maybe there's a root of anxiety that we feel. We just need to give this over to him. What God wants us to do is trust in his ways and not your own. Let's pray. Holy Father, God, I just, I thank you for this hard truth today, Lord, or this, this, this story through David, that we get to see his life and that you make an example that, that we can follow, God, that there's times within our life, Lord, that we just choose to ultimately openly defy you. And God, we, we run the opposite way. And we make excuses for our sin. We blame other people for our sin. God, at times we, we justify our sin or we just, we, we're living so much in it that we don't even think twice about it. God, I pray this morning that your spirit moves on our hearts and speaks to us directly, Lord, that if there is anything in which we need to give over to you this morning, God. Pray that so. God, I pray that we have this proper understanding of who you are, that you are a just God, that you are a sovereign God, that you rule over all things, 
that you still love us and you extend grace and mercy to us, God, through your son. So God, I pray that you just work in our hearts this morning. Stir up those things in which we have hidden away. Help us to have an understanding of you, God. Help us to, to know that we can come to you and find freedom from our sin. That we can be redeemed by your blood. And through this process, Lord, I pray that we seek you. That we don't just try to continue on our own willpower, but God, we go to you for wisdom. We go to you for strength. That your spirit will move in us. That your spirit will correct us. That your spirit will guide us. And we don't know what to do. And we don't know what to say. But we know that you are a good God. And you love your children. Help us to rest in that comfort this morning. As we confess these things over to you. Prowls in your name. Amen.